It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, the public access podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. QGBN. I'm your host, Rusty Diamond. You can check out other great shows on the network, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Ben. And the show is brought to you by Fred Ben Savage's Fox Stoner Eats Productions, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockEmUp.org. You guys, it's been a while. I haven't been on since Friday, but uh the numbers are just getting crazy you guys are downloading uh a lot so uh thank you thank you thank you thank you everyone listening um keep like liking sharing subscribing uh, i don't know it's crazy getting the numbers of downloads and listens so um yeah thank you guys growing the show growing the show let's keep growing and we're going to keep growing with new guests and today i'm going to bring on a new guest right here right now and right here, right now, we have Jesse Brizendine. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? Uh, not too shabby. You know, it's, uh, um, yeah, it's a crapshoot um, for booking. I, I never, I assume, yeah, people are going to show up. Doesn't always happen, but um <laughs> You're here today, and uh, that's that's awesome. I had someone earlier that uh, bailed. Well, didn't bail, but showed up pretty late, and I had already canceled the show. But I won't I won't mention the name. Uh, but yeah, so things you know, you just have to be um, ready to pivot and do something new. Um, and so I guess this is a question I've kind of been asking people lately. So. Uh, when, you know, I don't know how, how would I say this without getting uh, demonetized here. So, um, so when March 2020 hit, were you doing something where you had to, where everything stopped and you had to pivot or was everything kind of business as usual or what kind of happened there for you? Definitely stop and pivot. I. I... A lot of my work I do, Rusty, is with people, with groups, doing keynotes. And I went into March of 2020 with, I think I had four or five keynotes booked out. I had just pre-RSVP'd an event that was going to be a new event for me that I had about 20 people. It was going to be you know, called a luxury retreat, luxury experience or we're oh. all going to go to a, a really cool resort and hang out and have two or three days of workshopping and, and whatnot. And I remember very vividly going into, you know, right about March 5th or something like that, looking at my calendar, well, this is going to be such an awesome year. I'm going to have some, there's just some incredible people. I'm going to have some great travel. There's going to be some awesome events that I'm going to be doing, you know, some cool events I'm going to get to speak at. And then literally three days later, everything shut down and, all that stuff that was pre-booked out, canceled, 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 canceled. Whoa. Yeah. So my 
calendar. And then not only that, but some of my clients who I've worked with for years, they were in industries where it shut down really affected them. So I probably lost, I would say in the span of about 72 hours, 80% of my business. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Dang. And so, I mean, what, what happened then? I mean, what, what do you do when you see 72 hours, you know, most of your business is, is gone. Does it go to, does it go to panic? Does it go to, I need to, change this right now or is it oh fudge uh you can say whatever i, I just uh but it were really just like i don't know what what i'm gonna do here i'm kind of screwed um, yeah there's there's definitely i think the very human the very human responses i would be lying if i didn't have one of those shit my pants moments you know and didn't spend at right. least a few minutes of that but you know what was really what was really fascinating to me was I took inventory of that. So I always teach people about, we have these two emotional states, two primary states we can move in and out of, we can be resourceful, unresourceful. And it's our unresourceful states, our unresourceful, consistent emotional experiences that are often going to dampen, hinder, diminish the quality of our our physical experience, our our lives, our day-to-day lives. The question I pose myself would be the same question I'd pose to just about anybody. What would it look like to shift from unresourceful to more resourceful? And for me, resourceful is just going down to service. If I wasn't going to be able to do things how I had, what could I still do to help and contribute? Because that's definitely a driver for me. Everything I do, I always want to do to help and contribute. And started looking into ways to do that, whether it was completely free, which a lot of it was or I was able to earn an income doing it to some degree. It it was all about contributing. And the other thing that was really cool, and I give a lot of credit to my cats for waking me up to this. Uh, A couple of days after that, I'm on the ground at, I have two, I call them kittens, but they're now four years old. At the time they were just, they had just turned about one or they're just shy of their first birthday. And I was on the ground with them and playing. And so I'm down on all fours, my hands and knees on the ground and they're down with me and they're both, you know, super tiny still at this point. And we're playing with this little wand. And I'm, I remember they're on either side of me and having this moment where I'm looking at them and they're both looking at me and looking at the wand. And they're so focused. Their eyes are all wide. Their pupils are dilated. They were so present in the moment. And I remember looking at them thinking, gosh, this is so cool. Like, look at how happy they are. There's nowhere else they'd rather be right now. There's nothing else they'd rather be doing. Like for them, the whole world going to hell doesn't even phase them because right now this is all that matters to them. And then I stopped and took inventory of myself and I realized, wow, like much the same as me, I'm kind of, this is moment right now is such a perfect moment for me. I'm completely blissfully happy. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. There's nowhere else I'd rather be doing. I'm so in the moment right now. And that was a really you know, profound experience because it reminded me whatever craziness and chaos is going to go on, which obviously we all saw very quickly that it only got more crazy and more chaotic, that I still had some control and utility over my choice and how I spent my time and whether I was going to be resourceful or unresourceful and how I experienced my day-to-day life. And it really helped me navigate through those early challenging days of thinking about, okay, now what's going to be, what's going to be the other option for this? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was just such a, the whole spectrum of what happened with how everybody reacted. And so, I mean, and then um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, then on the, 
social media, everyone had an opinion of what was what was happening. And I feel a lot of people took to social media as their way to spend their time. And that was, I think that one for the most part set a lot apart what they were doing. If they were on social media, if they were on to scroll or if they were on to hustle and get something out of it. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it came down to, are you gonna do nothing and just, you know, maybe wait, hopefully it's over, or, you know, blame, blame this thing that's going on or are you going to do something else? You're going to get, you know, like you're saying, are you, or are you going to be present in the moment of what's going on or just try to block it out and you know, act like nothing's really happening. And then however many months later, um, hopefully something's happening. And I mean, did you, did any of that happen with you or was it, um, you know, was it, you said you were giving away some free information. What was, what did that look like? Yeah, I, I decided when we initially thought we were going to be home for the two weeks, I decided I would launch an interview series where I could interview some people in my network and distill down some of their wisdom, things that people could use to help them, you know, make it through that time and ultimately thrive through that time. And the idea was, is we'll release one piece of content every day for the two weeks. And it learns two things very quickly. Number one, obviously the two weeks we thought we were supposed to be at home was grossly underestimated. And number two, I also underestimated how many people were in that position of really wanting to help. What started as going to be just a temporary series ended up evolving into a, I only say I'm an unreluctant, I'm a reluctant podcaster because that series quickly spawned into about I think 220 some odd episodes that were recorded in the span of about six to eight months of just interviewing people from all over the world. It was so cool. I met some amazing, amazing people in that time. had some of the most really insightful and profound conversations. We actually uh, did a spinoff episode of that where a friend of mine and I, we did a collaborative series called Building a Bridge. And these two series were really becoming some of my, you know, the some of the most enjoyable things I've ever done professionally. And, and I say professionally because it wasn't that I earned income from them. It was something that I just applied vocational skills to them, speaking, talking, conversing with people, you know, really getting down to forming strategies around behaviors. And man, it was something that would have never ever happened had this other thing not have happened. You know, and I think that's what's really wonderful. It's it's cliche to say it. But we all know someone who woke up one day, thought it was just a normal day, and then they went out and got hit by a bus. You know, the bus is metaphorical, of course, right? Or maybe right. it's not in some cases. And it sometimes takes an external event like that to shake things up and put you at that crossroad, that fork in the road, and, and gives you that question of, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue as you always have? Are you going to try to fight what the world is showing you? Or are you going to sit there and turn to something different? Are you going to open up, stretch, challenge yourself? And for me, doing so, it's always uncomfortable to do that. But the reward on the other side of it is always so much, it's always so substantial that it far outweighs the discomfort if we're just willing to go through it. Right. And um, 
I mean, there was a lot of that. There was a, you know, it really had some people do some stuff very much out of their comfort zone, out of their their box. Um, and it was cool to get to see that and, you know, just people being resourceful. And then also, so before, um, before all this, Zoom was nothing. Zoom was like, uh, so I moved to Minneapolis in March, 2019 and I had an office before when I was living in Oregon and then I moved out there and thought I'd be snowed in for six months, not knowing that they're good (laughs) at plowing stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I've been working with some people on Zoom, but a lot of people were very reluctant to work on Zoom. And so, you know, I got on Zoom and then it was like, eh, some people were into it. And then once once this thing happened, uh, everyone just got on board with Zoom and Yes, it stopped the in-person, but it also opened us up to the whole world very easily. And, um, you know, besides dealing with time zones and time changes and differences, I mean, I don't know, you know, go get to talk to people that are in Australia or you know Japan or something and that wasn't real I mean it was sort of a thing but it wasn't everyone's okay with this and you know this is a a thing we're all doing now and um and yeah like the guy uh who taught me how to be a hypnotist like he started doing all his classes online and started getting people from all over the world coming in to to do his stuff and um yeah, just if you were on the right side of what was going on and able to branch out and uh, I mean it was pretty pretty nice if, if you were on that part of it and I mean yeah it's for some people it wasn't that experience but I mean yeah it was kind of those things it was sort of I don't know, 70% of the people got thrown into the deep end of the pool. And what were you going to do? Were you just going to, you know, were you going to sink or swim um, kind of a thing? And I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was a kick in the ass a lot of us needed, um, not knowing that we needed it, not knowing that we got to do something different um, and try to, you know, and like, you know, all the the people who were working office jobs, like none, I mean, that was a big change and just realizing that, um, I don't know, I thought that should have changed a long time ago. And it's weird that so much of it went back to office jobs. Uh, I thought that would just be totally turned upside down after this, but yeah, a lot of people ended up going back to those offices. And I thought that it seemed pretty ridiculous and kind. I mean, how much could they have saved with having given everyone computer and internet access at home and a desk, as opposed to keeping a whole office open and then, but I don't know, I'm not, I'm not in that industry. Uh, so I can't, 
I can only speculate on that, but um, I mean, it's kind of nice not having to go anywhere or go somewhere if you need to. Um, and I mean, there are lots of different places where lots of different things happen. Uh, like, so I was, at one point I was living on the Minnesota, Iowa border in from, I don't know, from March or April, 2020 to June, 2021. And there was sort of so-so about what the shutdown was. Some people were pretty adamant about it. Some people weren't, but Iowa never shut down at all. I could drive 15 minutes. Everything was business as usual. So that was interesting but then i'd fly back to portland or um you know go anywhere on a plane and it was you know totally the opposite of of what it was and um or yeah going to portland or you know san francisco or places like that and just having everything kind of different then but um i don't know it was yeah kind of a see where you go see where you go and so did it so with your, your podcast, you're being a reluctant podcaster. Uh, I mean, what kind of, you know, what, what, what opened up for you as far as, as that, where did that take you with, you know, moving to podcasting for part of it? Primarily it was, you know, the connection. I think it was, humans were such creatures of comfort and whether we realize it consciously or not, we gravitate towards, most of us gravitate towards comfort some way, shape or form uh, often and throughout the days of our lives. And it's why we can wake up one day and we realize, wow, holy smokes, it's July 6th. What even happened to June? Because so much of our life is governed by comfort and the familiarity that comes with comfort. It, whether that's your job that you do, your social circles, the food that you eat, the restaurants you go to, the trips that you take, you know, your daily habits and routines, much of it is engineered to help us help us acquire and obtain comfort on a daily basis. For me, having that shift and then going all of a sudden and interacting with people at a scale that I normally wouldn't, I'm a fairly introverted shy person you know i'm not the person who who is a really gregarious outgoing i'm great in certain dynamics you know speaking is wonderful running workshops is wonderful but it's my thing you know there's some control over it if i'm going into a room where i don't have that you know call it leverage i still am the guy awkwardly in the back hovering around the bar trying to get enough drinks down before i have enough courage for somebody to come up to me or i walk in and i full fully tense up because of stranger danger right so going into something like this now where I'm doing the podcast and I'm meeting all these really fascinating people from all over. And it was just, it was so fun hearing about the different things that people were doing. But even more than that, it was, it was just, I, I you know, I love humanity for, in so many, for so many reasons. I also am you know, disappointed on some of the things that we do and we uh, collectively do, but I'm absolutely fascinated by the human story, the human experience, the human journey. And it was it was just wonderful to hear some of the stories about people, what they were doing, their life journey, what they, why they were doing it, what kind of got them up in the morning, what kept them up late at night, 
and what they're excited about, what they're happy about. You've seen some of the questions that you're asking me, how their life had changed, how it hadn't changed, you know, if they were reevaluating what was important. And, uh, you know, nowhere in my lifetime have I had that kind of intimate exposure and the intimacy in having a one-on-one -on -one dynamic. You know, often I could be in a room with a, several hundred people, but that might be like a one me talking and then many in the audience. And you don't get to have that time where I'm actually, you know, maybe meeting. And a lot of these people I'd meet with beforehand. So I'd have a 30 minute hour meeting with them before we'd even have a podcast recording. And then I'd have another, right. you know, 30 hour with the podcast recording. So it was just really these, these huge significant amount of time devoted to intimacy and connection with people, which was such a, I, it was really such a gift. And it's one of those things that I, I look back now while we're only shortly removed. And I, I hope to always look back for the course of my life and really treasure some of those conversations and connections that came out of that time. So what'd you do with those uh, half hour and hours? Did you ever miss out on some nuggets of gold in there of content uh, in those, those uh, uh, screening calls, I guess you would call that? Yeah, you know, there was, there was several times. I think what's really incredible about human connection is when we allow ourselves to be really present and engaged with folks. And, and we have this almost, call it a, a willingness to be vulnerable, a willingness to trust in somebody else, and just the, the sanctity of dialogue. That free-flowing nature of it does lead to some of the really incredible things that can come from it. And there were times where I remember both myself and the person who I was chatting with, we'd stop and say, oh, we need to write that down. That was really good. You, you know, and there's other times I remember we'd end a conversation, I'd run and get the pen and paper and, you know, scribble, 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 scribble it down. And, and there was other times where it was, it was the nugget, the real nugget was just a connection. It, it was just how it felt to to meet someone and to have 30 minutes with them, to have never known them before. Maybe you have a common friend or something like that. And then to sit there and talk with them. And by the end of the conversation, you feel like you're old friends. It's, it's such a funny thing. Like you go on social media, you go on Facebook, you go on Facebook, you have friends, LinkedIn, you have connections. I have thousands of friends, thousands of connections across these different social media platforms. You start adding them all up, right? It gets in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And the number of those people I've actually had this kind of conversation with is so small, you know, and it's so to actually go and turn some of those actual friends and actual connections into really friends and real connections. It, it was such a gift. And so how are you reaching out to these people? Did you do, uh, I mean, did you hand, uh, handpick some or were, was it, did you do a post somewhere uh, or did you, I don't know, do people reach out to you and like, hey, yeah. uh, I saw your, your show, all, I went on. All the above. It was kind of a snowball effect in that I made the first initial post, which was something simple of, I have an idea, would you be interested in participating? And that got the first 14 people to contribute. And then, you know, midway through it, I, I wisened up to the fact of just asking people and saying, hey, do you know anybody that would be, might be a good guest for the series? And then all of a sudden they'd recommend people and pretty soon they were recommending people or people would be reaching out and wanting to contribute to it, participate in it. And so the amount of actual outreach I had to do about reaching out to people and asking them, it, it was non-existent beyond really that first one. 
if anything, it became the other piece where it was just a screening thing. I didn't have the space or capacity in my calendar to be able to entertain so many of the people that I wanted to be able to have on there. And I'm one of those people that I'm a, if somebody's willing to extend a little bit of their time to reach out to me to try to connect, if I have the time available, I'll, I'll reciprocate. You know, I think that it's, it's just, it's one of those things like, right. To share, to share time, my, my time, your time, everybody's time is the most precious commodity we have. And if somebody's willing to share a little bit of their time with me, again, if it's within my capabilities, I, I want to share a little bit of my time with them. And, you know, so even if you weren't able to do a full podcast recording or something like that, I would still try to have that time with those folks. Yeah. And I mean, to go back to what you were saying, I mean, the um, just getting referrals from the people you've had on the shows, uh, that's led me to some of I don't know my favorites, but those those have been some ones that it's been uh, pretty cool. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, since since we got along, you know, you probably probably do well with this person. And um, I mean, word of mouth is one of the best ways to, you know, sell anything. So, and I figure a podcast is kind of this pot, you know, selling and sales, and um, you're selling yourself. But uh, yeah, it's it's a whole interesting dynamic of going in yeah meeting these people you never met and just go you just go like uh i mean some people the people that i usually will turn down are usually people that i can kind of sense early that we wouldn't be able to have a, a conversation and that you know could be you know come back and bite me in the ass at some point but i have a feeling like because i mean yeah there's i'm not going in interviewing people and so it's you know i gotta i gotta feel it out and there's some yeah some people that i just i don't don't think it would it wouldn't be good for the people listening and it would just it would feel forced and mm. yeah and i don't want that i i don't want that I, I don't want someone to come on my show and feel like they are that i, I the host is trying to like really you know like feel like I don't really want them there. Not that, you know, not that, but uh, kind of that, but you know, that I'm just, not, I'm not giving them the attention and uh, respect that, that they would deserve. And I wouldn't want to put them on, on blast in front of everyone that's listening. And um, I mean, yeah. I, and like, I want people that have differing points of views than I do as well to come on the show. Um, and I, I'm, you know, it's not, not a, a gotcha journalism kind of thing. I like having conversation, and you know, if it's someone I feel like I could have a conversation with, it's kind of fine, whatever, whatever they're about. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it's uh, it can work out okay. It can work out okay. And so then, were you doing? Um, 
uh, like uh, Zoom, uh, what are they called now? I mean, like, uh, like a, a keynote speaker event on, on Zoom, were, were those becoming a thing? Uh, I mean, comedy ones, that was, that was some bullshit. That, that was one of the stupidest things I ever did. And I did that one time, uh, does not compute uh, as far as, as that, but with keynote speaking, did that um, become something that was a, a positive for you? And did that lead to something different? Yeah, I did a, I, I did a few of those and I will, I'm a people person, you know, part of the joy of keynote speaking is being able to be with people, being able to be in the room and be able to feel the experience from the audience, being able to see people's face. I imagine it's very similar to comedy, right? When you're in the right. audience, and you can see people responding. I remember going to a stand-up show once years ago with several friends of mine, and we had a table that was immediately at the front stage right. And the headliner comedian had come out and he, you know, I was, I was engaged. And so he picked me as the guy that he would use to rift off of, you know, and I would be, he turned me into the punchline and some of those things. Yeah. And man, it was just, it was, it was funny because I had this point of stepping outside of it where I, th I thought after the fact, I was like, God, it'd be so easy to just get offended by it because he's saying some harsh stuff. But I right. thought it was just, it was funny. You know, it was, it was really funny. And I thought, gosh, what an honor this is because I can only imagine how many years this guy has put into uh, honing his craft and to be able to, you know, all these people here, he's picking me out and he's trusting me, right? There's a trust that's going on. There's an implicit trust with your audience member to help him really shine, to help him really own the spotlight that he'd rightfully earned. And I remember after that show was over, he was selling, uh, you know, some CDs of his standup and DVDs and whatnot. And he was doing signings because he was actually, he had been on, you know, Comedy Central and some other things. So he was a fairly, I think, well-known person in that industry. And, you know, there's a huge, uh, a huge amount of people. There's probably, you know, three, 400 people in the venue. So there was probably at least 30% of those people who had gone up to get in line and get the DVDs and stuff. And I'll never forget, he came over to me. So there's this line of people coming up. He makes eye contact with me. He comes over to me, right? Everybody else has to wait now. He comes over to me and uh, he extends his hand out, shakes my hand, gives me a hug. He says, hey, man, thanks so much. That was great. He's like, you really helped make the night. And I looked at him and said, hey, man, no, thank you. The honor is mine. You, you, you killed it. You know, and then he like gave me a DVD and some other stuff too, but it was just really cool. And so that kind of exchange, you know, you just don't get it as much in Zoom. I appreciate the opportunity it does for, for certain companies, especially organizations or companies that are on smaller budgets and they might have people scattered about. It makes it much more feasible for them to bring groups together. I, you know, doing, I did one where they had a, they had a large part of their sales force was international. And so rather than them having to, to spend the budget on trying to bring everybody together, which would you know, probably severely limit the experience they could provide, they were able to do it or that. I think that's a wonderful thing. And I also really think that there's something just so magical about being in a room with people. You know, we're humans, humans, what makes humans so extraordinary. And I think what's allowed our species to grow and thrive in the ways we have is, is we, we're community-oriented species. 
right? We we really are, and it's it's when we're it's the idea of we versus me. We are really better when we're together. And again, cliche as that sounds, there's something magical that happens when we can be in the same room with folks and be able to go through that journey and experience together. And yeah, like you were saying, with the uh, with comedy or uh, with speaking or you know with uh, even with uh, pro wrestling, you know, it's uh, it's all like yeah, I'm I'm not gonna go and pick on someone that looks like they're gonna totally lose it if uh, if you you know if I go towards them, they're not gonna shut down like you know it needs to be someone that's gonna be okay with it and that's also something you got to be able to feel out just by yep that being in the room and um yeah it's there's there's something that's lost but i think it's important to with you know doing like you're saying for a sales call uh sales company and having it where everyone's around and being able to have, you know, everyone on Zoom as opposed to yeah, bringing everyone in, um, trying to adapt and and find it. Because uh, so before any show, if I'm not on, even if I'm on first, beforehand, I always am looking at the audience usually you know peeking behind the curtain and checking out every single person if i'm not up first i'm watching i'm not watching the person that is performing i'm watching the audience and how they react to whatever is going on and then i'll, I'll plan whatever i'm doing accordingly I, i'm putting air quotes and a uh, planning uh but it's, it's so much about that connection and just having that connection with people. And like you said, being able to command the, the room, whereas, you know, like you were saying, and I'm, I'm kind of the same way, if I'm walking into a room and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, well, let me just kind of stay back here and I don't, I don't want to be out and I'm not the guy walking up to everybody and becoming buddy buddy with everyone right away but um like one thing i would go uh smoke cigarettes i always would you know if i go to a party um i don't smoke cigarettes i don't smoke cigarettes for a long time but that was my thing i'd go there post up because i know usually be maybe one maybe two people that were probably feeling kind of the same kind of thing I was to go out and, and go smoke and usually, you know, end up talking with them, but I wouldn't be, yeah, in the middle of the room. Um, just, just trying to mingle with everybody, but yeah, when it's, when it's, when it's your show, you know, it's a different, different story. And so, um, so when you're doing your shows or when you're doing any other form of, your your work where are people going to find you on the internet to be able to do that yeah you can find me on all the i think pretty much all the major platforms under my name you just google my name it'll pop up pretty quick i'm i've been active on all of them for quite some time now 
or well, I'm not, I'm more active on some than the others, and I'm working to be more active on others than I am on some. It's uh, it's nice having a name that is, you know, is unique enough where you don't have someone else doing it. Um, I with, with this name, I have people. There's a uh, guy who was the South African porn star. Uh, I was going to say. At, Yep. And then uh, there's a guy who does tattoos and there's uh, someone else who does like metal work of some sort. And uh, yeah, so like I, I have to separate myself a little bit, but yeah, it's nice to just have that um, as, as the way to find you. So yeah, you can, you can find him and you should, you should go out and find Jesse here. Uh, and yeah, do, thank you so much for being on here and I'm happy we got to talk. It wasn't during the uh the time before but we got to now and so um i'm happy we got to do that and it was it was great getting to talk to you and meet you likewise rusty thanks for having me on man you bet have a great rest of your day you too bye-bye thank you bye all right that's jesse brisendine so yeah get a hold of him dude does speaking events he's got a, there's a bunch of stuff listed on here that uh, you can check out. He's done TED Talk. Um, so yeah, get a hold of him. He was fun to get to talk to. I'm glad I got to, to meet him and you know experience what was going on and learn something new. And I've been finding it pretty interesting with what people have done during that time from March 2020 on. And, what happened um, and we all kind of went our own ways and did our own stuff but now if you want if you guys are into talking you can always go and do that you can you can talk you can leave a message i'll play it here on the show so you know you can do this you can say yes or messages messages we don't leave no speaking messages but you know what? I do need some messages. So leave me some messages. Leave me some stinking messages. And you guys, thank you so much for everyone that is listening and downloading and checking everything out here on wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you want to go into Rumble or YouTube, I'll have the links up in there too. You can just type in the public access podcast uh, or go to rustydiamond.net. You can find all my shit. It's all over the place uh smeared on on the the bathroom mirror there was someone i swear there was someone in every school who did that who would you know do something with poop in the bathroom that's weird i don't know why that was a thing it was that and the the you know the girl in the hot dog story every school had both of those for some reason and they the Marilyn manson rib thing all three of those, nowhere, if you're somewhere around my age, you had all three of those at your school. And I don't know what it is now, but you guys, there's, you, you can do that or you can just listen to the show um, or get a hold of Jesse Brizendon. So you guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, like, share, subscribe and uh yeah tell a friend tell two friends if you got them and you guys that is the show 
man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>